Why not? A queer podcast. Hey folks, I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode 29. <laughs> did, you, did I throw you for a loop there? I changed it up real you big. You did. That, uh, that's, that's basically a whole new podcast now <laughs> with that opening. <laughs> Yeah, I just feel like it's so. I'm like, hey, everybody. I know. Hey, Here's, folks, is so different. So if uh, if you didn't change it, then people will start thinking that the opening is pre-recorded, and then they're like, that's not really them. They're not really talking to us now. That's you know, the, them. Twenty eight episodes ago. The, the whole thing's canned. It is. So I want to apologize to everybody right off the bat because last time we said we were going to keep it in an hour and a half because we're watching the time. But for some reason, the re- the recording st- stopped calculating time at an hour and fourteen minutes. Yeah. So we thought. So we thought we had plenty of time. Yeah, and we, we just like, kept on going. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I didn't want to like say anything because we don't edit these at all. No. What you're hearing now is what we said live. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-recorded live with the the Bill O'Reilly version of a queer podcast. We're doing it live. <laughs> I think one day that might happen with one of us. Like, we'll just be having such a bad day that we'll just go off like that. Yeah. And we leave it in. We're it's true. like, all right, we're going to record. We're not recording. We're going to the studio. We're doing it live. <laughs> I don't have time for this. So episode 29, it reminds me of uh, my aunt who never aged after 29. Huh. So from now on, I will always be episode 29. It reminds me of my uncle who is currently recording the 29th episode of his podcast. No. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm like, really? What's to, it, is it good? To my knowledge, none of my uncles have a podcast. <laughs> uh, I only have one uncle, I think. Oh. I have six, and I currently talk to five of them. <laughs> I think all of my uncles except for one have I, I take that back. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm open to talking to five of them. I don't really talk to many of them. Nobody calls. I don't know. I'm going to get a text message in about a week, and my mother's going to be like, you have seven uncles, and they're all alive. How dare you? <laughs> and no, I know, my mother does not sound like that. But that's when I read her text messages. I give her a fun voice. That you have, I think everybody gives their mother a voice. Yours, I guess you give her Marge Simpson? Was that, what, <laughs> is that who that was? Um, my brother gave my gives my mother the voice of... Um, I forget her name, but from Monsters, Inc., the one, Wawowski, <laughs> you didn't fill out your paperwork. That's her. That's his voice for my mother, and she hates it. She doesn't like it. She wants a new voice. I can't imagine why. It sounds like she smokes a carton of cigarettes a day and drinks a bottle of whiskey. Mm. Indeed, indeed. I think people, don't you give a voice to everybody, though? Especially people that you're like saying something that you disagree with or that you didn't like or Absolutely. a person. Like, oh, well. Uh. Mine is much like the uh, variety of accents that I do are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter the person. They all get the same voice. Do you know what I do to Jen? And she hates it. But it just, I do it so much because it makes me laugh. Like, she'll say something. Like, um, you know, I, I travel a lot from St. Pete to Orlando. So I get into town and like the first question she'll say is, how long are you in town for? And then I'll look at her and I go, <laughs> like <laughs> constantly. Anytime she says something, I'm like, <laughs> how and, dare she ask a completely she, rational <laughs> question? <laughs> Do not tell her that her questions are rational. She will 
She'll ask more. No, so, um, so I do that to her all the time without even thinking of it. And it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> and then I was at work one day. And this was like back when, um, I think it was, was it Kathleen? No, it might, it might have been one of the admins, which might be why they aren't here anymore. But somebody said something to me. And I just went, <laughs> and they like wide-eyed looked at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there was a point there where, um, do you ever watch Murphy Brown back in the day? I where did. the admins were a lot like Murphy's uh, secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Every couple of weeks we had a different one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was your fault uh, more so than it's just, it's a very demanding job. I mean, there's, we're a very small group here it and is. there's a lot of hats to be worn and you just bring in people who don't like hat hair. <laughs> it is very, it is very <laughs> difficult. Uh, and it is it is a multitask job, mm-hmm. and one of the things that you must be able to do is measure six millimeters on a ruler. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then you can't be here. Indeed, indeed. Um. <laughs> let me just let me just chalk that up to inappropriate things that I should never say. I'm sure there's a story there that would be inappropriate for me to tell. I mean, I'm curious why they have to know what six millimeters is. <laughs> uh, it it's was not even. It, we don't use the metric system, or was, do we? Well, some people do. We here at Watermark use the metric system because I need to fix all my rulers. Um, well, I mean, a ruler has centimeters and millimeters on Not it. Not mine. Mine's an American ruler. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get it when you left the service? Yes. My ruler only does inches. Uh, I got an American ruler. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get into that some other time. Yeah. So I want to do is this a little housekeeping. Yeah thing um just because we want to encourage people to reach out to us to let us know what you think about the episode uh if you think something's funny throw it on our facebook page this is a conversation not just between rick and i it's a conversation between our audience if you think something is said and it's not funny keep it to yourself yeah yeah (laughs) just because you don't understand humor (laughs) um but no yeah we we have uh we have a facebook page feel free to reach out um, we have a website, or not a website, a uh, email address. We do, we do, and it's wwn at watermarkonline.com. And for the, it's wine, wine not. So wwn yeah. at watermarkonline.com. Uh, and by next episode, we will have an Instagram. It's on my list of things to do, and maybe a Threads. Who knows? Ooh. Um, and if none of those work, we record these on Monday. Swing by, pull up a chair, bring your own microphone, and uh, let us know what you think. And your own bottle of wine. <laughs> yes, I'm not sharing my wine. So you wanted to tell a story about your wine. What's the what's oh, the story? Oh, so it's not that exciting. But um, so uh, over the each episode, I try to do a different wine, um, just to try out different wines and uh, you know let. Let the people listening know what's good to drink. So I got this wine. It was I'm called- glad you said people and not person. People. Well, <laughs> there's at least three that I know. Um, so, yeah. So I got this wine. It's called Freak Show. Um, I got it at Target. Um, no disrespect to Target. But I got it because it had a coupon, one of those little coupon cards over the neck of the bottle to save a dollar. And I was like, hey, who doesn't want to save a dollar? So I got up there and I scanned it. The coupon attached to the bottle purchased in Target. It says Target does not accept this coupon. It's a little sleep. Take them off the damn bottle then. Don't get my hopes up that I'm going to pay a dollar less and now I'm going to pay a dollar more. Why would you Why would you put a coupon out that you don't accept? Right? So anyway, I'm not a Karen, so I didn't like call for manager be like, you need to take a dollar off. Because didn't you? I thought about it. I was like, damn you, woman, I want this dollar. But uh, no, I just let it go. Threw it in the garbage. 
and then decide to talk about it on a podcast. Be like, bam, Target. Um, but they've let us down enough this year. So, oh my god, what if you come into the office tomorrow and Target has delivered an entire case of Freak Show wine? Mm. Target, you will be my favorite of all the corporations. <laughs> um, but obviously, I'm not drinking the Freak Show because. I went shopping this weekend, got the freak show, and got back to the house, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try it. So I pop open the cork. The cork was brittle and dry. It snapped going out, so I couldn't put the cork back in the bottle, unlike we do at the end of every episode of Why, <laughs> Why Not? Um, so, and I don't have, you know, I'm not a fancy gay, so I don't have, like, a decanter or a container even to pour the wine into, so I drank the whole damn thing. <laughs> so yesterday... Um, uh, I went by the grocery shopping and <clears throat> got my tried old true menage a trois is what I'm drinking now. Um, so, uh, freak show. Uh, here, here's my review. Sorry. Uh, cork was brittle and dry. Had to drink the whole thing. I finished the whole thing, so it couldn't have been that bad. And Target didn't take your coupon. What makes a cork brittle and dry? Uh, lack of moisture? I don't know. I'm not a vineyard. <laughs> I just drink this shit. I don't grow it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look into that. But I feel like maybe it's too, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't properly corked. Maybe it's bad cork. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll look into that. I well, have more. I'm, I just will re- com- I'm confused. I don't understand. I mean, is Do you it, have more cork? Well, no, is it like a <laughs> cork, more questions. A cork is, what is a cork even made out of? Cork. It is dry. <laughs> I don't is it know. just a really old bottle? Maybe is it because it's freak show? So many good questions you'd think I'd have the answer to for telling the story. I don't. I don't have any answers for you. <laughs> You're like maybe we should talk before the show and you can ask all your questions. I will Give me say some time to look them up. Um, that I will research this and I will get back to you next week. But if in the meantime, I am enjoying a a, a bottle of my tried and true tr- tried and true menage a trois. Did you feel that glass all the way up? About two thirds. Okay, <laughs> I'm like we are we are ten minutes in and there's a glass down. I just think it's funny because you just said I'm only gonna drink like one or two glasses because we have an event to go to. I know that whole bottle is gonna be gone by the time we. You have know to go. what? I deserve to see these people drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I promise I'll behave. Anyway, um, so the I just want to I hope this sounds okay here. Because it seems really loud in our microphones. It does. I do, am I yelling? Am I yelling? I don't know. <laughs> am I yelling? Is it picking up everything? We'll find out. You know what? Here's here. Well, here it is. If you're listening at home or in in your car on the radio, where I listen to my podcast, so I assume that's where everyone does. If we're loud, let us know. But also turn it down a little bit. <laughs> You got you got a volume on your radio, right? I, I mentioned this before we got started. It's better to be too loud than to not be loud enough because most people aren't going to crank their radios all the way up. But um, if we're yakking away in your ear and it's too much for you, turn it down a little bit. Do you know what the most annoying thing is when you're listening to a podcast? Is when one person is one volume and somebody yeah. else is another. <clears throat> I agree. I so agree. I hope we're the same volume. Yeah, We'll find out when we're done. That's the thing. We'll and if we don't back. like it, we'll go do a live. We'll do a live. We will. Yes. All right. <laughs> so did you do anything fun this weekend or this week? Um, yeah, I did. You know what? I did not have a very eventful week, but um, I had a week more to myself. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've done a lot of work-related events. We went to Dallas. 
we've been going to a, a, a lot of different events. So I just kind of took this past week, um, and I went to the movies, and I went and saw Oppenheimer. And uh, I went and saw – okay, Oppenheimer – it's directed by Christopher Nolan, who's Can like, I just say that if you hear some buzzing in the background, they're doing yard work around us. So, oh yeah, that's not much we can do about that. That's an air blower or a leaf blower. Um, so yeah, so Oppenheimer, um, Christopher Nolan is is well known for being kind of a film nerd and having a very specific way he shoots his movies, and he wants people to see it. So, the ideal watching of this movie, um, he shot it with IMAX cameras, and he shot it in seventy millimeter. Um, back to that metric system. Um, so, did you um, go to Canada to watch it? Um, eh, don't you know? Um, no, they the, the film industry, the the progressive liberals refused to use our American way of measurement, <laughs> and they said, "No, sir." Welcome to our alt right podcast. <laughs> Um, but so 70 millimeter, uh, it's a much bigger film. You, you've worked at a movie theater. I did. Um, your standard is like 23 or 32 millimeter. So this is like more than double the length. So it's a much larger picture. And ideally he wanted people to see it shot on film. Cause most films are, are run digital now. Uh, when you go to a movie theater, he wanted you to find a theater that showed actual film. Cause they shot it on Kodak film. Shout out to Kodak. Uh, and, uh, in an IMAX. So apparently in the world, there is only 30 theaters that do true IMAX with film. So there's only 30 places you can go watch it. The closest one is like in Georgia somewhere at the Mall of Georgia. Um, and there's one in New York. There's one in L.A. I wouldn't think of Georgia as being on the cutting edge of theater no, And it's not even you would think that if it was going to be in Georgia, it would be in Atlanta. Now, this I don't know much about the layout of northern Georgia. I grew, uh, spent a few years in southern Georgia, but the town that it's in is not Atlanta. It might be like a suburb of Atlanta. I don't know, but it's not Atlanta. Uh, so it's just this tiny little town, and they have the Mall of Georgia there, which I think is like Minnesota's Mall of Millennia or Mall of uh, America. America. Um, just, just for the Georgians. You think they make the parking lot of America to go with the Mall of America? Hey. Um, so yeah, so I was not going to drive to Georgia to watch it. So I had to decide whether I wanted to watch it in IMAX or 70 millimeter. And I went and watched it in 70 millimeter. And I saw a late showing because my thought process was the only people who are going to seek out a 70 millimeter version of the film that late at night are going to be people who are like film nerds and are really just going to watch want to watch the movie. And my biggest thing with theaters now is how obnoxious and nosy, noisy people are. So I get there. It's mostly like cinephiles. They're all around. And I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to watch the movie. It's going to be fantastic. And like two minutes before the movie starts, like a group gaggle of young punk little Gen Z's who talked through the whole movie obnoxiously. And they there was a couple of girls in there who do that um, giggly little girl thing where they're like, you know, ah, Taylor Swift is amazing. Oh, my God. Is this film going to be loud? I hear this film is loud. I really don't want to sit in it. It's going to be loud. And her boyfriend had to say, honey, shut up. <laughs> did he at least? He did. But sort of in a jokey way because I think he was afraid of his girlfriend. Um, but she talked through the whole thing. Obnoxiously talked. And she was right behind me. And two people sat next to me. At the, the theater started to pack. A little too crowded for a 10 p.m. showing um, of, of a three-hour <laughs> Christopher Nolan movie. I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing here? Um, the two people next to me, 10 minutes of the movie, got up and walked out. And I know it was because of her behind us. Obnoxious. Oh, they probably just got tickets. They probably just went to the front desk and said, somebody's talking. I want yeah, tickets she won't to shut else. up. I want, uh, I want this fix. And I would have done that. 
But I was already sitting and I was tired. <laughs> I slept through part of the movie. It's a great movie, but I kept getting pulled out of it because she kept chatting and then I got lost on places and then I ended up falling asleep. But what I saw, it was fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would look for this one to be a big player uh, when the Oscars come around. Yeah, I've heard that. I've seen Oppenheimer. I saw it. I did the Barbie Heimer thing. Oh, Barbenheimer. Whatever, you know, Orville Redenbacher. That, whatever that was. Um, yeah, I don't It took me a couple of days to recover from all the popcorn I ate that week. Uh, so the one thing I want to point out about it. Well, first of all, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Not that this is one of the things that we're supposed to talk about. I just I saw it. You saw it. So uh, Emily Blunt steals the show. Absolutely. Her character. When I say Oscar, I'm talking Emily Blunt, uh, Robert Downey Jr., and probably Killian Murphy uh, for lead actor. But definitely Robert Downey Jr. and Emily Blunt are going to get nominations for this. Yeah, and so I don't know if you remember saying this, but one thing I loved about it is that you think it's a movie about this isolated event, this isolated mm-hmm. thing. And so that that thing happens, and you're like, oh, there's still another 45 minutes of a movie left to go. And they pivot to something else, which is equally as interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that whole thing was clever. And the that guy that was with Robert Downey Jr. in the last 45 yeah. minutes was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, written phenomenally the whole movie is written for it's a great it is, it is an adult movie which baffled me why she was there <laughs> she was not an adult i think it was just this is cool let's go see it. yeah it was and i I'm know this the because movie. the chatter it was um five of them it was three guys and two girls and i think the two guys on the end those were their girlfriends and then third wheel guy or fifth wheeled guy the game um, but the uh, the girls kept saying that this was the first time they were seeing it, and the boys had already seen it. And they were like, I can't believe you're going to – is the movie that good that you're going to see it again with us? Oh, my God. It, is it really that good? And then through the whole thing, she kept leaning fo- over and said, who's that? What are they talking about? What is that? What's happening now? And I want to be like, if you don't slap your girlfriend, I'm going to turn around and slap her. You know her. what? She was, she was on social media the entire time, mm-hmm. and then she would look <laughs> up and say, who's that? That reminds me. Um, and I've, I've heard that this has been an issue with the Barbie movie and somebody, two people did it when I went and saw the Barbie movie, um, people pulling out and taking selfies with the screen in the middle of the movie. Apparently this is a problem with the Barbie movie. And I was like, that's ridiculous. And two people didn't mind. Somebody did it. And when I was watching Oppenheimer, not the girl behind me, although that is totally something she did. Um, (laughs) somebody, a couple of rows over, pulled their phone out and took a selfie with the screen. Nobody has respect. (laughs) for the movie theater anymore and this is why people aren't going to theaters i think that you and i saw someone we know somebody who did that we saw it on their facebook page maybe it was barbie or maybe it was some other movie but because we commented it's like some it's like a leader in the lgbt community of central florida yes and they took a picture with a screen in the background and you and i looked at that and went "Mm, Mm -mm. not when i'm there no (laughs) learn people need to learn respect and decorum when you're in a movie theater and that is just disrespectful he had the in oppenheimer it's not even like he took you know took a regular film excuse me took a regular photo he had his flash on it's like there is no there is everybody's just you know I think it's COVID. Nobody has any kind of, of public decorum anymore, and they just do whatever they want to do, and they don't care about anybody around them. COVID's been gone long enough that people can shape up. Yeah. Pull your shit together, it's, it's time. It's, it's time. COVID's, COVID's gone, although you can still get it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just learn how to be an adult again. Learn how to respect other mm-hmm. people. 
And also, like, who wants to see a picture of you? And you can check in. That yeah. gives the same amount, or take the picture before the show starts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so obnoxious. So I went home, and I was annoyed. So I spent the rest of basically my weekend alone, sulking against the world. Um, but I also found out that um, ever since COVID, I've developed this love of really. Um, uh, for those who just heard that beat, <laughs> I did not You're close. So popular. I didn't, didn't close my email. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went home and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch some TV and shop on some Amazon. And uh, during COVID, I developed this love for um, gay uh, kind of trashy romance novels, like rom-com novels. Um, one we'll talk about next week um, that's being turned into a movie. But one of my favorite books that I have become obsessed with is called Boyfriend Material. And I found out um, that a sequel came out last week, last year, and I didn't even hear about it. It's called Husband Material. So I had it overnighted to me from Amazon. What's the next one going to be called? Assisted Living Material? It's funny you say that because it is a part of a trilogy, and it's called um, Father Material. And uh, they're going to be – it's. They're basically the spoiler gay- alert. They stay together, I know, right? <laughs> well, they haven't said because it says that it's going to uh, kind of delve into another couple of this friends group that oh, okay. the the they call it the London Crew because uh, they're all it's based in England. I don't understand what a friends group is. I have a friends oh. duo. <laughs> <laughs> friends groups are more than two people who talk to you on a regular basis. I don't understand. Um, but in the book, um. There, uh, there's this gay couple who, in the new book, adopt a baby. So I think it's going to follow them, and the main characters from the first two books are going to be side characters. But it's it's kind of like the gay version of Bridget Jones' Diary. So if you like Bridget Jones' Diary and that trilogy of movies where it goes from finding a boyfriend, making him your husband, getting a baby, which is the, uh, the track record th- that Bridget Jones followed. I thought Bridget Jones was the gay Bridget Jones. <laughs> Nah. Uh, gay enough, but this—I absolutely—it's—it's—it's it's, it's guilty pleasure. These books, and I absolutely love them. So I got that, and I started reading it, and I'm obsessed with it already. It's—it's um, it's British humor. I love British humor. I loved Bridget Jones, and boyfriend material and husband material. I can probably read British humor better than I can watch it. I mean, honestly, yeah. like you know, like Abfab. Everybody loved Abfab. Yeah, I did not. Mm. I didn't know what they were saying. What about what's that? Um, Vicious. Did you watch Vicious? I told you to watch it. I watched the first episode. I watched the first couple. And what were your thoughts <laughs> as I, I get closer to the microphone? I, I wonder, like, and I'll bring. I'll say this again later. But it surprises me how really good actors can turn out some really <laughs> shitty work. Sacrilege. I love that show. It is so I've watched the it entire is, you series know what it is? three times. I don't I don't dislike it. Yeah. it. It reminds me of a Golden Girls-esque show. And I love yeah. the Golden Girls. So I should I I'll, I'll watch it. It's fantastic. I love it. Um I the, wanted to bring this up though. Can yeah. we backtrack a second? We sure can to Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. Oh, back to Oppenheimer, yes. Just real quick, because you mentioned that he specifically filmed it on a certain kind of film. Yes. And IMAX and all that. So here's my this is this a spoiler alert? Does this even matter? I don't even know. So the whole movie is about this nuclear bomb. Yes. Okay. And yes. they're gonna... Oppenheimer, who the movie is about, is considered the father of the atomic bomb. Right. Yeah. So it's about the race to the bomb. Are the Nazis going to get it, or or the Russians Mer- are working Mer- on Mer- it? Merca non matrix ruler yeah. going to get it? And so then, and in the, in the 
it all culminates in the dropping of the bomb. Yes. So when the bomb drops, filmed in this special film, this whole thing, the bomb drops, the light goes up, silence. Yes. Why would you do that? Why would you make it in silence? Choices. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Like especially when you're using this 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 medium to do this big thing, you think that that entire theater should be shaking to like make you feel the impact of the of the atom bomb. But no, it was silence. Yeah. I mean, and then you get the the blowback from yeah. it. You know, the, Which, the shock. And waves. maybe this was his idea of it because it worked effectively on me. Is it's complete silence, and then boom. And then the thing hits, and it makes you fucking jump. And I jumped in my seat, and I know that girl behind me was like, <laughs> he jumped. It scared him. Ken number seven jumped. <laughs> it's like, shut up, Barbie. <laughs> anyway, what did you do this week? Um, you know, the, my most of my week was taken up with this conference. So that yet another one yes. that I completely forgot. That, that I was supposed to be a part of. In fact, I missed a couple of meetings that I had to reschedule. Um, but it was a Florida Outcoast conference. And what is Florida Outcoast is, I think then its most recent incarnation is this like travel concierge website for people who are coming to come to Florida. So if somebody's going to come to Florida, you can learn all about all the things to do all over Florida through this website. And if you contact them and say, hey, I'm having a destination wedding, they can link you up with all kinds of people that will help you do your thing. So that is run by Rachel Cavello. And she decided to put together an LGBTQ um, travel conference for Florida, which has never been done before. In fact, I don't think it's been done in any state. I could be wrong. If I am, shoot me an email. WWN at watermarkonline.com. We're not about facts here. Just say what you want. Yeah, this isn't in the newspaper. This is the first conference ever held anywhere in the world <laughs> that pulled any group of people together yeah. <laughs> with an emphasis on flamingos um which is funny because it's 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 flock when you spell it out and so there was a lot of flamingo jokes and yes. somebody at one point yelled into a microphone like all you flockers get in here and then i yelled rachel's a mother flocker and it made me laugh um i think <laughs> ryan may have been the only person that heard me yell that but it made me laugh so it, it was really cool. You know, we've got some travel advisories here, and there are people that are afraid to come to Florida mm-hmm. uh, because of that. I think NAACP and um, uh, Equality Florida. Equality Florida. Uh, I have believe put HRC it. put out. Uh, yeah, they, a lot of groups have put out uh, advisories, not advisories, bands. Yeah. But you know, like somebody at least asked the question. They're like, if you don't live here, there is there a difference? Yeah. You know, you maybe you just don't want to go because you're you're concerned or you're worried. And it was really this great conference about you know how to reach out to communities outside of florida to tell them it's okay to come so it was really kind of fun um there were other ones there was one that i really liked uh a little breakout session that was um, a discussion of, of sort of drag culture and what the how the laws are affecting that but it 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 was so fascinating to me to hear like the drag community talk about how they're treated by the gay community, which is super interesting to me. It's sort of like, you know, if you're going to have an event, and this is so true, right? If you have an event, you need, you're like, I need entertainment. You're going to go and say, hey, can I get this drag queen to my event? If it's a fundraiser, you're going to ask them to do it at no charge most of the time. That's that's sort of how things yeah. have operated. So then 
this this laws come out banning drag and there's not this humongous humongous outcry right there's not the support there for them uh and that's from the the panels that we're talking that's what we're what we're seeing and then they start talking about what they're paid when they are paid and how they're mm-hmm. how they're treated and it was just this eye-opening thing yeah. that i feel like there's something that we can do as a as a media company to move to to advance this conversation some more and it was very yeah. interesting to me yeah there's a there i mean and this has come to light since this year with um i mean they've been talking about it for a while but with the legislation that was uh passed where they were trying to um say that drag all drag performers and drag uh shows were a, adult entertainment uh i use my air quotes i forget sometimes that people are only listening uh one day jeremy puts up air quotes one day we're gonna try to start Um, filming and you can see us yeah it's opened this conversation about how drag performers are treated by the community and you know um just the working conditions they're in and um how much they're paid um and there is a large portion of the gay community that pays drag queens out there my air quotes up against pays them in exposure it's like well this is good exposure for you (laughs) and it's like you know exposure doesn't pay the rent and and it's probably not good exposure yeah yeah if you're you know if you're you're bringing entertainment in for 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 the purposes of some event you're having then you know pay them right just like you you pay the the venue that you're having the thing at and you pay um you know you have these big sit-down dinners or whatever and you're paying the people who are cooking and the people who are serving pay your entertainers Right. They they don't want to be paid in Instagram posts. And while you're paying things, pay to advertise it. Yeah, pay your advertising. <laughs> that is not a direct uh, attack against anyone. No, it's just there's... I, but if feel, you are going to advertise, pay your advertisers. I feel like since, since COVID, there's been this real push towards paying people what they're paying people what they're not what I don't want to say what they're worth because yeah. sometimes you can't but paying people something reasonable or, or yeah. paying people people have value so you pay them for that we've had to increase uh, our salaries like our onboarding salaries here uh, because of that um, well and because you know of the focus is put on it and you're like okay let's see how I can reevaluate the way that we do things to make this right for people and I just think that that's what what needs to happen yeah you know uh, and yeah yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, I, th- I thought the conference was really good. There was something, and I don't know if I should, if I should say these things, but <laughs> but why not? There's just sometimes I, I I get like that being in the spotlight can can make you nervous. Yeah. And, and you may say things that you would never normally say. I'll give you an example, and we've already talked about this, but in in the wake of Pulse, mm-hmm. Pink Pistols was doing a documentary about the LGBT community and guns. And they took. I us. completely forgot about that. Yeah, and so they, so we went as an editorial sort of thing. Like, let's go through this process and see how easy it is in Florida to get a gun. Yeah, and do whatever you want with it. So we went through the training. Here's why I'm using my air quotes: training process, which was really just listening to somebody tell you how liberals are trying to take your guns, mm-hmm. and then they hand well, you. They also then taught you how to load the gun. Yeah. And then they handed you the gun. Oh, and then you had to put your finger to the side, and if you didn't, then you didn't pass. Yeah. And then once you... Let's just say it's not a very difficult test to pass. No, it's not. And uh, so then they take you to shooting range, you do the whole thing, and you get your concealed weapons permit, which I don't think matters anymore, right? You don't have nah, to get one? Nah. Yeah. that's Not funny. in this dystopian future we live in. <laughs> but they were making a documentary about that process, 
and and so they pulled... I'm having flashbacks to this. Didn't they interview both of us? Yes. Did this documentary ever come out? Am I on film somewhere talking about guns? I I am. Ooh. I don't know what you said, but I know what I said. And at the end of it, you and I were like, what did I just say? So they were interviewing us about guns. And we were talking about like handguns or something. I'm going to try and backtrack here and try to like... But there's no excuse for saying get, this. Get out ahead of this right now. I know. So, like, <laughs> and so, so I'm pretty sure that there is a film out there somewhere that has me saying guns don't kill people. People kill people. Ooh. And it was like, Ooh. and whoever was doing it had a very good way of coaxing me into saying that. And as yeah. soon as those words came out, I was like, oh, that is not what I'm saying. I understand that 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 this violence is horrible, and and I and I will. If I if I win the one point five billion dollars tomorrow night, I'm going to find these people. I'm going to buy every for, copy of it. And I'm going to for those it. who don't play the lottery. Mega Millions is one point five billion, and everyone on this podcast has purchased. It. <laughs> <laughs> if you win one point five billion, I'm going to ask you for a few hundred million to buy these copies. Absolutely, we will we'll go. We will we will bring down. The pink pistol. No, I'm just <laughs> no, no. You're no. a fine organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I I get what you're doing. I get yeah. your mission. Um, I don't remember what I said. Um, I will be after this podcast researching this and finding this documentary because I want to know if I'm in it. Um, I don't. <laughs> maybe I, they didn't put me in it. Maybe not. Maybe it never happened. Maybe, maybe never, I'm admitting to something that doesn't matter, and now everybody's gonna hate me for saying that. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna what I like to call trumpet, and uh, I'm gonna say um, I don't know what you, even if it's out there, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I was never a part of a documentary, and that is not me. I don't care what you saw or heard. <laughs> deep fake. It's the deep state in their deep it's fake. AI. <laughs> By the way, I use uh, inches. <laughs> Uh, so having said that, yes. having said, I understand when the spotlight is on you, you may say really weird things. Yes. So Ryan, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Right? I I love the fact that you say when you're in the spotlight, you say weird things. Ryan, I <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Ryan was the moderator of one of the lunch panels. Yes. And I got to tell you, I'm very proud of him. He did a very good job. He was funny. Oh, good. Uh, he was super nervous at first, but yeah, he, he told me he was nervous, but then kind of yeah. Uh, as it as he the was, conversation went on, it he went was better. so nervous he had to tell everybody he was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He was like, he's like, I'm super nervous. I I write words, I don't speak them in public, and I know like whenever we're somewhere, I always tease him if we're gonna introduce a film or do something if we're out work related, and I'm always like, you ready? Do you know what you're gonna say? And he's like, no, no. Um, <laughs> But he was great. He Good. was super great. But Good. so the panel that he was hosting was about bars. And the topic came up about security. So there was a guy on there that owns like many companies and there was some sort of gun violence that happened on their block, but because of the way that the buildings are in St. Pete, like you could you're all part of the same building even though you own like this storefront or this storefront or yeah. that storefront. And so it was in a different storefront where the gun went off, but they could hear it in his storefront. It was a club in the same storefront, or I don't, what, I don't know if it was a. Was I don't. It? I don't really remember. I don't know if it was a bar or what it was, but it was loud enough that everyone in his bar thought it was coming from his bar. Oh, so they were Lord. all under the table, and they were they were going through it. So he, in response to that, said, 
uh, I don't ever want to experience this again. I mean, you know, Pulse is something that's always on our minds when, yeah. when we're out and a situation like this arises. The owner of Cocktail said this. The owner okay. of Cocktail. So he he went out and purchased like this incredible, sophisticated security system. And um, <laughs> there was a guy on the panel who said, after this whole thing, talking about this, he said, yeah, that's great what you guys are doing, but let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. What? And I did this thing like puppies do. Si- uh, the thing I just yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, I almost raised my hand and went, <laughs> no, um, like I do to Jen. Um, but it struck me as weird because I'm like, of course, I'm from. I'm, I live yeah, we Orlando, live in Orlando where. When you talk about club violence, we where that, immediately. Yeah, that think, molehill was turned into a mountain by the gunman. Right. And so, so to me, I hear that and I'm thinking like. Are, are you saying Pulse was a molehill? Which is so weird. Like, yeah. It's just weird. And I just think that sometimes people don't think of the whole... He also said something else, too, about, like, screw it, come here anyway. Who cares what you think about... Um, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But he right. said, who cares what you think about what Florida teaches about the Civil War? Come on down. <laughs> like, I was like, woo. Mm. Woo. But we was, won't use names, but uh, I'm willing to bet that that is a... A white gay man of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was eye opening, but I do want to not dis- to, to um, distract from the fact that the conference was great. There were yeah. a lot of great connections, a lot of people who really um, have very great ideas. You know, one thing that was interesting to me was Fort Lauderdale specifically started a campaign to show how trans friendly they are and to the trans community that you are safe here and you are taken care of here. And I thought. Yeah, what a what a wonderful campaign. Yeah, uh, it, it's just really cool. It was really it was really cool. I'm glad that we went. I didn't know what to expect, and I think that Outcoast should be very proud of what they've done. And I look forward to many years. Yeah, and, and many and dollars. Of it's travel. obviously from the Tampa Bay area, so you went, and uh, Ryan, our managing editor, went. Um, but uh, the stories coming out of there that I've heard, um, it sounds like it was a really good. Um, conference that a lot of people got some really good information out of. So, and the chicken for lunch wasn't dry. It's very hard to mass produce. Again, chicken. we're not going to call people out, but there have been some events we went to that I need you to switch to dark meat because you can't cook white meat properly. <laughs> yeah, it, or we're... it's much harder to dry. for those who don't watch the, the Food Network. It's much harder to dry out dark meat uh, as opposed to white meat. Yeah. So if you can't cook it right. Just switch Just to dark meat. It, yeah. Dark meat's good. I love dark meat. I ex- exclusively in my house, because I dr- dry out my, my breasts all the time, <laughs> I exclusively buy dark meat. Is that what Jen's doing when she's laying out by the pool? <laughs> you got to tell her, do not stay out more than uh, 30 to 40 minutes, because if you're out longer than that, your breasts are going to dry out. You don't want to dry breast. <laughs> Nobody wants breast jerky. Um, anyway, that reminded me when you were talking about, um, you know, in the media and going to events and covering stuff. Um, we had, I just want to give a real quick shout out because I don't want to go over time, even though we're a little over time. Um, last week, something else that happened is news, uh, Spectrum News 13, <clears throat> who um, is local here in Orlando, um, came to our offices. Um, they're doing, um, we're going back to school. We Our, our current issue is dealing with um, back to school and uh, the anti-LGBTQ laws that have come out and are affecting the students. And News 13 is doing something similar um, that's kind of a focus on uh, Leoman High School in Seminole County, which last year the superintendent there um, asked the... Uh, what high school? 
Leoman? Lyman. Okay. Did I say that? You know Lyman what it was? <laughs> My <laughs> brother went to Leoman Middle School oh, okay. in the Tampa Bay area, and I confused that. <laughs> Lyman High School. My apologies. In Seminole County, the superintendent in Seminole County last year asked the yearbook staff to put stickers over photos of pride flags. And the yearbook staff stood their ground and said, no, this is who our class was. We're covering events that happened, and we want this in our yearbook. And they fought it, and they fought it, and the superintendent back down as she should have um so there's kind of a focus on that so news 13 wanted to talk to us um here at watermark because we covered that and they came in and uh uh they chatted with me and as ryan stated when he did his uh panel um we are print media we don't do a whole lot in front of the camera um ryan where he likes to tell people that he's nervous i tend to ramble a lot. So <laughs> they were like walking me through and having me. They're like, okay, we're going to record you coming out of your office holding your papers and you're going to walk down the hallway and you're going to stop at this cover and you're going to talk about this cover. Um, and I don't even remember what the hell I talked about. I went on a 10 minute tangent about Val Demings because she's on the cover of the issue they had me stop at. And I was like, remarkable people is what was one of our biggest issues and it's what we do. And we, Talk about people and Val Demings as a person. And it's like, after they left, I was like, what the hell did I say? Um, but uh, I messaged the reporter and I was like, listen, <laughs> we do print media here. So we don't we don't talk in front of the camera very often. So if I sounded rambling, he's like, no, you sounded great. Who was the reporter? <sighs> was it Curtis? No, no. You know what? I was going to pull it up, but Jamie closed my email. Um, oh, it doesn't matter. I just wondered matter. if it was safe because um, I got interviewed by Spectrum News 13 yeah. for um, a spot about LGBTQ history. Oh, Pride okay, Mon, yeah. So it was yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, Spe News 13, they're amazing. They came in. They were really great. Something else they did, and I, we've dealt with this a little bit, is um, they had to give me a spiel about how they are professionals and that while they are not using the massive cameras that you see from like, you know, television programs, they use their phones and they felt the need to explain how powerful these phones are and how the cameras and the recordings are just as good as the big cameras they bring in, but they can get in tighter spots. And I said, listen, we hear it all the time. We go to events and we take photos with our phone and people are like, you know, where's your big photography cameras? And they're great. You know, you get the high res photos, but when you're doing day-to-day -day news, they are the, – the cameras in these phones nowadays are amazing, and they work perfect. So um, just on behalf of Watermark and on behalf of News 13 and all the other print and television media, don't give them shit because they use their phones because they do amazing work with these phones. I take it a step further. You're out in an event. You mm -hmm. know, you're having a good time. It's this big fundraiser. You're all dressed up. Up walks somebody, and there's like, hey, I'm with a local LGBTQ media. Can mm -hmm. I get your photo? When they snap your photo, I want you to go – that's a nice camera you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give them shit because they're using their phone because that phone that everybody has in their pocket leaps and bounds better than anything that shot video or photos in the 80s, 90s, right. and the 2000s. It's an amazing piece of equipment. So don't knock it just because it does make our jobs a lot easier. So shout out to News 13. You didn't have to explain it, but you did. And you were fantastic. Now, I just want to say, I want to bring up something. We don't talk about news nearly as much as, <laughs> as we anticipated we would do when we started this podcast. We, it just turns out we really just like to talk about entertainment yeah. things. We I, like TV and, and movies. I was and actually those. thinking about this after because we talked about this. Um, 
we do news every day. So I think the, the, the thing with this podcast is it's exciting because we're able to talk about things that we don't get to talk about all the time because we're focused on the news. So yeah. I think that's why we gravitate towards more of the entertainment. And when stuff. I talked to somebody about that we wanted to do this podcast, they were like, please just don't grab a copy of your paper and read it. Yeah, like, yeah we're not going to do that. But I did want to bring up a news story. Yes. Uh, because I will say of my time, one of the most powerful news stories of my lifetime was Matthew Shepard. It's yes. probably the news story that has affected me the most. And I um, think anybody of our age within that yeah. generation, that that in the LGBT community, that's one of the most impactful. Right. Stories. And it, it, it sparked, a, you know, a huge backlash and some and some progress mm -hmm. in in the in lgbtq rights i mean the movement. the anti um the hate crime law yeah. is named after matthew shepherd yeah which uh, i'm gonna bring up in a second because yes. somebody is facing hate crime charges and i just want to i just want to give some space because it's not something i think that was widely covered and i just want to give some space to o'shea sibley who was murdered in brooklyn um he was a professional dancer he and his friends pulled up to a mobile gas station in brooklyn and they were listening to Beyonce, and he got out of the car and started voguing. Mm -hmm. And they were having a good time until a group of, you know, I would call them children because they were they were under, they were legit under eighteen. They were under just 18. a bunch of punk ass kids. But one thing I hate about the news is like, if a the the way that they say like if, if they have a person of the same age that was a victim, they say a child this happened to. But if they're the perpetrator, they'll say you know this this you know. 16, or, 16 yeah. year old male adult or something like that but i just want to say you know they're under 18 and they they started harassing this group of friends who was dancing i mean this guy was 28 years old mm -hmm. dancing and some under 18 group of kids come up and start um, hurling slurs at them both uh racial slurs and queer slurs and uh it it sort of a, an argument ensued it went on for about four minutes and at the end of it um a 17 year old person stabbed this this guy yeah um uh, sibley in the chest and he died at the hospital and it's insane to me that we live in we still live in a time where that i mean i just don't even get what this guy voguing at the gas station yeah how Wait. that affects your life. How and does that affect your life? What annoys me, I mean, the whole situation pisses me off. But the, the worst part is these two groups had their altercation, then separated ways, and then this 17-year-old student, uh, high school student, came back uh, after they had all gone their ways. And he felt that he had to come back and, uh, um, quote-unquote, finish what, what, what began. And so... Um, it just it speaks to the mindset of this kid that they had this altercation. He leaves and then felt the need to come back with the intention of inflicting harm. Did he? I don't know. You can't get in his head, so you can't say if he had planned on right. killing him or not. But he pulled out a knife and he in, he intended on inflicting harm. Yeah, and a couple of days later, he turned himself in. He's facing murder two charges, um, which is a and and with the caveat of it being a hate crime. And just think of all the lives shattered, mm -hmm. all, how how the the lives shattered of O'Shea Sibley, his friends, um, you know, I I can't even imagine all the people that he worked with, all of that. But then this the this this seventeen year old, you know, their family mm -hmm. and friends, and how it's going to affect all of them, all because 
a black queer guy was dancing. Mm-hmm. It just it it's so it's so ridiculous. It yeah it it's it's um it's mind boggling that that I mean that we're what twenty more than twenty years twenty five years from when Matthew Shepard happened and it seems like. It's funny how how it can seem like so much has changed since that time period, yet nothing has changed. It's all the yeah. same. Yeah. And we're still under attack. We're still being harassed just for living, just for enjoying ourselves, just for having fun. <clears throat> they were dancing to a Beyonce song. Beyonce uh, posted up about it, and that's great. And that's, a lot of the media I've seen has focused on Beyonce um, pays tribute to this guy who died, and that's great, but at the end of the day, um, they're, they're still killing us and they're still murdering us. And it makes, you know, it's going to make me think like, you know, where am I when I go out with Dylan? Are we going to hold hands? Am I going to kiss him goodbye in the morning if we're standing Mm -hmm. out by our cars or is somebody going to come up and say, stop doing that? Is some, is something going to happen because of that? I mean, that's the, that's the terrorism part Mm -hmm. of this. And it's, it's awful. I just, I think, you know, I would really like to see, you know, love win. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope it does. And I don't know how in this instant, I like part of what makes me so irate about it is that now this seventeen-year-old is going to go into a court of law and he's going to give a sad story mm-hmm. about why he did what he did and ask for some sort of leniency. I don't have that in me. No, not yeah. for him. Anyway, um, it's a <laughs> there's no real good segment uh, into what we what we agreed to talk to about this. I mean, I guess it's sort of from from one murder to the next. Um, yeah, it, it takes place in New York City also. So one of the things that we're talking about is um, uh, it is the 20th anniversary of the movie Mon- uh, Party Monster. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Party Monster is a, a, I will call it a biographical crime drama because that's what Wikipedia called it. Um, but it's so much more than that. Um, but it stars uh, Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green as... Um, Michael Alleague and James St. James, who are two New York club kids uh, from the 80s and 90s. Uh, it's based on uh, uh, the 1999 memoir of James uh, called Disco Bloodbath. <clears throat> and uh, it looks at the life and times of these club kids and the subsequent murder of a drug dealer uh, by um, the Michael uh, a league. Yeah, and I just want to—I—I I, I hate to be the downer of this of this episode, but I just want to say this because I want to get this—I want to get this out so that we can then kind of do our normal thing where we talk about you know the insanity mm-hmm. of the show. Um, but the like, what happens in this show is a guy gets murdered. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 we can say like it was their drug dealer that got murdered and it then in, implies some sort of connotation. But this is a guy that wanted to be part of the club kids that Michael Alig turned into a drug dealer. He said, we're going to make you famous. We're going to make you a famous drug dealer. This is what's going to happen. And then ended up killing him. And it wasn't, it wasn't just, I mean, it was a brutal, what they did to him was brutal. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if you, I, I went back and read it cause you know, in a, in a movie, Certain things happen, and you don't know what's real and what isn't. Yeah, so yeah. You talk things get dramatized them. for the movie's purposes because you know most people aren't going to sit through a two-hour movie if it reflects verbatim what really happened in real life. Because right. most real life doesn't happen as glamorous as the movies, regardless if it's violent or 
um, nonviolent. The glamorization of things in movies doesn't usually is, isn't usually how it happens in real life. Yeah. So this. So I just want to talk. Just I'm just going to focus on the murder because I feel like you know that some sort of attention to the end of this guy's life deserves some attention. And you know, in the movie, um, there a fight breaks out that Michael started, and then. Um, it's it, the the drug dealer's name is Angel. I'd rather call him that than the drug dealer. So Angel and Michael kind of get into it a little bit, and Angel gets the upper hand. Michael um, kind of motions for help, and their friend Freeze, I think is his name, um, hits gets a hammer and hits him in the head with it. They hit him three times in the head, and then they put him in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. They smother him, and then inject him with. Uh, cleaning solution with Drano. Now yeah. explain to me because in the movie and then in the the quick research I did, I don't understand why they injected him with Drano. What does that do? I didn't, didn't want to Google was... that because I don't want that in my well, Google it's search. Poison. So they did it, it to kill to, to kill make him. sure he was dead. To make okay. sure he was dead. I didn't now, know if it was some process of the what they did in real life though. Yeah, was way was worse than injecting him with it. They. You know, he's he got beat in the head. They put him in the thing. They smother him with either a sweatshirt or a pillow, like I said, depending on who you talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And then they poured it in his mouth and then duct taped his mouth shut. Mm. Yeah, they're pretty, it's pretty awful. And so um, I just want to say, like, while – I only wanted to bring that up because while we're talking about them or laughing about their lifestyles, ultimately, horrible person. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this before we get into the movie. I won't be laughing about their lifestyle much because I hated the movie and I hated everyone in it. And I don't understand why this was even a movie that needed to be made because I felt like they were glamorizing murderers and terrible people who did terrible things. And it's like, oh, look at this fun movie that we made about these kooky club kids who ultimately were just terrible human beings. Right. Like, um, I don't disagree with that. I think that the the movie, it, 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 like, it wants to be a movie about the club kid scene in New York mm-hmm. City of the 80s and 90s. But it can't be that because it's about this atrocious person who committed this atrocious act. Now, now the James St. James character, which is pay, played by Seth Green, um, he's not part of that. No. So that's the other side of it. Also, something to keep in mind. Now, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying something to keep in mind is this movie is based off of the memoir by James St. James. So. Right. So it's his. It's so it's his, his story. So how much he was involved with any of this? Of course, he's going to say I had nothing to do with anything that was terrible. Yeah. Now he's alive. They all are. James, yeah, well, not all of not them. All of them but so James, the, James the two Saint, main characters are alive. James St. James is alive. Yeah. Um, and did is is Michael dead? Michael Alec is dead. He died in 2020 of a heroin overdose. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I looked, googled him. He got out of prison in 2014, 2016, something yeah. around there, and tweeted. Getting out of prison. Who's going to buy me dinner? And it's like you didn't fucking learn anything. God rest your soul, apparently. I didn't know you were dead. You didn't fucking learn anything. Yeah, it. I mean, I think that I read an article. I, I got to tell you, like, I was fascinated with this. 
you know, my, my movie is watching experience of it. Like, I've seen this movie. I just pulled up my notes. How did I not see that he died? <laughs> I know. it's like... On Christmas Eve. <laughs> wow. Uh, some people speculate it was suicide. His mother said it was a drug overdose, an accidental drug overdose. Can we also just say um, something else I learned, which I think you already knew because you watched the Geraldo thing. Um he got his mother hooked on ecstasy. Well, he, got, he gave her ecstasy. I don't think any fucking human. Now hate. somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think I don't think um, ecstasy is a um, addictive drug. Right. I don't think it is. You sound like a drug pusher. <laughs> Come on, no, I mean, just like, take it. It's not addictive. <laughs> there, I mean, I mean, if it is, it would be habitual. It's not. What's the other word? Like when your body craves it, like heroin is an addictive personality. No, addictive. No, like um, um, your your body has to have heroin. If you get addicted to heroin, you have to have it. Alcohol is the same way. If you're if you drink so much alcohol, you'll go through withdrawals if you don't have it, and it could kill you if you just ecstasy stop. is not the same way. I don't think ecstasy. is Interesting. The same. I don't think so. But if you know different, let me know. It's um, you know. and if that's true, if you deal ecstasy, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is I don't the think, laughing part you were talking I don't, about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they. I don't think that ecstasy is a thing anymore. I think it's Molly now. But see, I don't know. God, I'm so old. It's so out of it because I'm like. Nah, That's just... why I got to tell you the story real quick because this is hilarious. So I'm sorry about this, mom. I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> so my mom, my mom lives with my brother. And he has a, a daughter named Molly. And they they live near a park. So my mom takes Molly to the park. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take a selfie. So she takes a selfie. And she posts it on Facebook. It says, having a nice time at the park with Molly. <laughs> and all my friends start calling me. And they're like, is your mom high? <laughs> because Molly's not in the photo. And she's just smiling in the skies in the background. And she's just like, wee, yeah. At the park. <laughs> oh, that's uh, hilarious. So anyway, God. Um, anyway, I know like, we've already said it, right? So our opinion is we we sort of hated this movie. I hated it, and, and it's more of like I hated the from the moment it starts. Yeah, it starts. I hated this movie. On okay, I want to ask you this because um, we're talking about because it's twenty years since the movie came out. We've had twenty years to watch this. This week is the la- the first time I've watched this movie. I've never watched it before. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Oh, okay. Did your opinions change from the first time you saw the movie to now? Kind of. Did they? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I just, it was, um, okay, so so all of this took place in, when did it stop? 96, 95 is when the murder was? 96, I believe. 96 is when the murder was. I moved to New York in 99, no, 98. March of 96, yeah. Yeah, so I moved in December of 98. And I knew people who knew them. Yeah. My so, roommate, we talked about this earlier, my roommate, his cousin knew these guys and went to some of their parties. And um, yeah, it's weird to watch shit like this and to think, oh, this is from the past. This happened a long time ago. But this is shit that like both of us know people, or you, in your instance, you went, you lived in New York, where... Um, we were connected to it. You knew people who were connected to it. Yeah, you know what? For me, what was weird about the whole thing is this is the same time that Last Call was taking place. Oh, my God, it was. So, this, Oh, my God, episodes come in full circle. Wait, isn't it just weird that there's this whole different lifestyle in the same community? That's I got to say, in the 29 episodes we've done, um, we're not doing a really good job of selling New York City from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> uh, well, unless you like ecstasy. Unless, well, 
A very particular kind of people are but really I, excited about. But I do want to be clear. We are not selling ecstasy. No. No. We would just hoard it. Nobody, no, I'm just kidding. Nobody on this call has done ecstasy in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just want to say what I was getting to is at the very beginning, this, this movie opens up and it's Seth Green as James St. James. Um, which I always want to call him Jane, John St. John, which is funny because in the movie, I don't know if it's the movie. I'm getting confused between everything I watched about the movie and the movie. So is, I don't know. John St. John, like a like a, a, a herb supplement or something? Oh, no, that's St. John's, John's Ward. No, so somebody somebody in a magazine called him John St. John, oh, okay. and he was really mad about it. But it's just so. Don't it, you hate it when club kids or drag queens get pissed because you called <laughs> the wrong name? <laughs> I, so does that happen? Um, no. So it opens up. Seth Green as James St. James is sitting there talking, and he's got this like phony ass voice and it was so irritating to me okay and that- i do want it because i wrote this as a note before you get into the movie um the the stereotypical way that macaulay colton and and seth green um present these gay guys um and i was like you know what i don't know who these people are in real life they were club kids maybe they were very flamboyant and i watched clips of them and they're not at all like that and that pissed me they, off i see i disagree they were 100 percent. if you watch the if you watch seth like the you can just google james st james and what comes up or like on youtube is him in that outfit sitting on that chase lounge sounding 100 percent. i did like not that. watch that clip but i did watch the geraldo clips and first of all james st james is in none of the geraldo clips that i saw no he wasn't but in the movie he's in there and i was like come on no, and um, and and that was fictional. Like, um, um, Michael Aleg, yeah, was not as crazy no, on no, no. those. But I think that's because it was on national TV. Yeah, and but I, that's the comparison with yeah, those two. But that you Macaulay go back Colton. and watch. Go back and watch them. The the one about James St. James because he talked just like that. And Jen even was like, "Oh my God, it's not an act. Like it's just so." They just seem very stereotypical. Right. But I think that was their that was their persona. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, darling, uh-huh. you know, and it's it was noxious. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. But what, so I watched the first hour, and I had to stop because I'm a huge Big Brother fan, and Big Brother came on at eight o'clock, so I had to stop <laughs> for an hour, and then we watched Big Brother, and then um, which I'll go off about one day when I get to know the characters, the characters, the people more, uh, because. For the first five weeks, Please. I hate everyone on Big Brother. It's reality TV on network television. They're the characters. characters. <laughs> so then before we went back, I said, um, I was like, I just got to see how real any of this is. What, what's going on with all of this now? Because I'm I'm frustrated with the movie. Cause did you fall down a rabbit hole there, not, Alice? I did <laughs> for hours. <laughs> I watched entire episodes of Geraldo. And, and then I started watching video clips um, that somebody took of James St. James and like I mean they were hanging out with Paul Abdul and all these other people and Andy Warhol and all the stuff like they were famous kids so that, that whole club kid scene is fascinating to me yeah. um, so that that's, I, that's why I want to talk about this murder first then we'll talk about the club kid scene because it was just it was interesting although I do think like you watched the Geraldo clip right I went yeah after we we um 
after we, when we got in this morning, you told me yeah. you were like, "Hey, those are actual." Because in the movie, um, they don't say it's Geraldo. It's just a, a, a talk show they're on, and it's hosted by um, John Stamos without a mustache. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, John Stamos." This I just want to say, taking the the uh, uh, completely inappropriate story between the, the, telling these people's story. Um, this cast is stacked. It's this stacked. is a stacked cast. Uh, and it's actors who were kind of up and coming at the time, um, were in different television shows and stuff. But you've got Macaulay Culkin, who um, I read nine years after his last starring role at Richie Rich, which is so weird to think back that, you know, the difference between the Macaulay Culkin of Home Alone and Richie Rich to this character Seems like decades, but it's it's uh, ten years. Isn't it's it interesting too that Michael Alig had a friend who went by the name Richie Rich, who was on the Geraldo show with him? I never, I didn't put that together. <laughs> um, Seth Green, who had already been on, um, he's on Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer at, at this point. So he had already been on Buffy. And I it, believe Can't Hardly Wait had already been out, uh, and he was already well known uh, as a, a as a film actor. Um, Chloe Savini. Um, who was in Kids, who was in another controversial movie of the 90s. She was also, wasn't she in the the one about the murder of um, <gasps> She was Brandon. in uh, Boys, uh, Boys, Boys Don't, Don't Lie. Cry. Dwight's Don't Cry. Um, she was also in several seasons of American Horror Story. And something else about this is um, some actors and actresses who um, had not made it big, but um, had ended up going on to do some really big uh, things in American Horror Story. So I couldn't find any definitive uh, evidence of this, um, but it feels like Ryan Murphy was involved with this movie, either as a fan and recruited a bunch of these actors, but Dylan Mulroney, or uh, Dylan McDermott, um, who is in the first season of American Horror Story, is in this. He was uh, also in uh, Steel Magnolias and uh, several movies in the 90s. Uh, Wilson Cruz from Rent was in this. He played Angel. Um, Natasha Leone, Wilmer Valarama, who uh, was in that '70s show. So it's a really stacked cast. Did you say? Did you say Marilyn Manson already? You know what? I read that he was in this. I did not recognize that he was in that movie. Who was he? The, in the one movie? he was driving the truck. Remember when they had a party <gasps> in the truck? He's the drag queen. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, Daniel Franz Franz uh, from Mean Girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, who we've done interviews with Watermark and in. I don't know if people are going to know this name, Diana Scarwood, but she is um, one of my favorite movies, um, The Cure. She was the mother in The Cure. Oh. But she also looks like, who was the name of the actress that played Christine, older Christine? In, in Mommy Dearest? In Mommy Dearest. I don't remember. You want me to look it up? I'll yeah, look it up. Look it up. All right, all right. Because I don't, it, it couldn't be the same person. Nah. <gasps> oh my God. Really quick. I just, because I have the cast list here. Um, Richie Rich, his friend. Yeah. Plays himself. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, it's fascinating. fascinating. <gasps> now, ooh. <laughs> We're so what in am, sync. What am I looking up? <laughs> You're going to look up. You're going to look up who, um, who played uh, Christina who played. in Mommy Dearest. I like that our microphones are turned up so much that we can hear you typing. Or maybe I'm just typing really loud, like Jamie. That's an inside joke. If you get that, <laughs> welcome to the family. Diana Scarwood. Yeah, that's her. It so, really? Yeah, so that's that's the one that plays Michael's mom. The one that took X. Ex- <gasps> you know what? 
I totally thought she was the girl who was in American Horror Story who played, um, oh, what's her name? American Horror Story. I like how we have just turned into a conversation about a story we find interesting, and we're like, we're not doing a podcast anymore. We're going to pause while we oh, look things up. What is her name? Raby. Um, Rabby. Um, Lily. Lily Rabe. I totally thought that was Lily Rabe from American Horror Story. But that was Christine from Mommy Dearest. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah, so you you brought this up, so I'm going to say this now. Um, this is conversations all over the place, but we'll, eventually we'll hit all of our points here. Much like the movie Party Monster. Yeah, it was pretty much all over the place. But you you said that you felt like Ryan Murphy had some sort of involvement in yeah. it. Um, the the people who are who back this right are um, Fenton Bailey and Randy. I'm going to say Barbado. I, I read it first as Barbada, and I was like, that's drag queen from Fenton Bailey and Randon Barbado. Yeah, so Barbato. they they were part of the club kid scene. Yeah, and they were in a, 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 a disco pop rock duo called the Fabulous Pop Tarts. You can't see this because we're on a recording, but I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and they produced their first record or um, under their own record label, World of Wonder. Is any of this starting to ring about World of Wonder? Does RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. And who? guess who was one of the club kids? RuPaul, RuPaul. who I didn't was not on the film version no. of the the quote unquote Geraldo Rivera, but when you watch the actual Geraldo Rivera episodes, her do you ever do you ever notice that when you say Geraldo Rivera, it's you say it like you're drunk. Well, when you had three glasses of wine, that's probably what you are. Um <laughs> But it's yeah, not judgment. It's, a, it's the name of the show, it's, hey, so it's fine. You signed up for this. <laughs> you you're over there doing your wine. I'm Any, over here doing my wine. Now. RuPaul's on the episode of Ru or of uh, Geraldo. Geraldo, Geraldo, the first one. Yeah, and is and is um like landing quotes that have traveled with her. Yeah. forever. Um, the whole um, you're born naked and yeah. it's all drag. After that, yeah. the, uh, uh, the, the RuPaul that we know now, who is this multi-millionaire conglomerate born on Geraldo Rivera. Who knew? <laughs> Not literally. Literally. Uh, so. No, no, no. Literally, there is an episode born on Geraldo. I, I can't back that up. No, that's no, that's not no, accurate. No, I'm gonna, I, I was like, if you're not going to back that statement down, I'm going to. <laughs> you're not paying money for that. That's not that's not the gold that we think it is. Um, so it's so it's interesting how connected all of that is. Now, World of Wonder has done a lot of different shows, a lot of different reality yeah. TV shows. But one thing I was reading about because um, I watched the video. This is this is how it started. My my K hole started about why does your my, what? Oh, I, I call it my party monster K hole. K hole. Yeah, that's what. Um, <laughs> did you not watch the movie? I don't. I don't remember them saying, "Oh, because they do a bunch of ketamine, ketamine, and then they they get dissociated and they earn this." Like, sorry, I'm not K-hole. a. I'm not a. I've never had a drug issue in my life, so I call it Alice's rabbit hole. <laughs> Look, I'm not here to talk about drugs. I'm just gonna say that scene where he pulls out dinner from the oven, and it's just a big thing of. <laughs> Ketamine that's yeah. been cooked. I've been yeah. at a house well, and I've seen that just happen. Just because live. of conversations we had, as I'm watching this movie, the entire time I'm thinking, I bet back in the day Rick loved this shit, <laughs> and I bet if I called my roommate Chris right now, he fucking loves this movie. And 
Sure enough, I called Chris. He's like, oh, my God, I love that movie. I'm glad you're talking about it. I was like, of course you do. Of course you do. I I would just say I never liked this movie because I don't like these characters. Yeah. I think that Uh, just the concept of the club kid excited a lot of people. um, But I I did see uh, a lot of real life in that. And and, and, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, That's all I got to say about that. So, um, so it was that was forced. Like the first, the first clip I watched was about Michael Alec being mad at James St. James. Yeah, because which, at least from the movie that I can tell, they had a very love hate relationship with each other. I think they embodied what frenemy means. Yeah. And it was like they 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 liked each other because they they both did what they liked. But if they could just if they could completely turn on the other and destroy yeah. them to make themselves better. Absolutely. That that's the, that's I think that's exactly they, what James they benefited James from each other. But yeah, if they could have what they had without the other one, I think they would have thrown the other one under the bus, which like you said, James St. James did. Yeah. 100%. Um, so I, f- I feel like there was a point I was going to make and all that, that I, that has escaped me. Um, but the thing that was interesting, the, the thing that made him mad about the movie was that he said that James St. James said that he created um, Michael Alig, yeah, which he was annoyed about. Also, that he said that he hurt his cat. So you remember the scene when he was sleeping, and then his ex came and pulled the sheets up, and the cat was dead in the bed. Okay, I remember the cat. They got it in the dumpster. Yes. Why don't I remember that? Was there more cat? When when um, so I I just want to say call him Fez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when- Can I just say? I didn't watch the 70s. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I watch it. Um, But um, he was pretty hot back then. Yeah. (laughs) Like he came on the screen. I was like, oh, my God, who's that? So he plays Michael Alec's boyfriend right up the front. He's a a straight guy that Michael Alec says, you're going to be my DJ. He made him. He wasn't even a DJ. He made him into a DJ. uh, Kiyoki. And uh, then, yeah, he just became this big famous DJ. Yeah. And so he. but later, after they break up and he comes back to the house, before he tries to put him into rehab, he looks at him and there's there's a cat in there. So that's what. Have you seen photos? I have. Of Kiyoki? I have. The actual Kiyoki? I sure did. I did a lot of research on this before we started. He is definitely not a Wilmer Valorama. <laughs> He's not as attractive, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I like. I will point out one thing I liked about the movie was the rat scene. The what? Where the rat tells him <gasps> oh, how he killed. Oh my god, that is the only part of the movie that I love when he the rat's explaining what happened to him, and I was like, "That's you should have done the whole movie with the nar- with the rat as the narrator." Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, I just the last two notes that I have here, or three notes, are that on December twenty fourth, twenty ten, Alec died of a drug overdose at the age of fifty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint James has been in some reality shows um but he has appeared in season two episode nine of rupaul's drag race uh i just wrote here that one reason the reason i didn't like this show is that it's just about weird fame whores yeah who would stab each other in the back just to get ahead the movie was terrible the situation behind the movie was terrible i think somebody should remake it there is put a, some money into there it there is an actual good story to be told yeah in this situation the people and this was a big problem in the early 2000s with glamorizing troubled people 
And we did it with reality shows with Paris Hilton and the trauma that Britney Spears is going through. In the early to mid-2000s, we went through a process, a, a time when um, our entertainment was the tragedy of others. And we laughed at it and we had a good time with it. And uh, this movie has a definite message to learn. It was a this writer's movie sh- was not it. it the, I have the, blame the writer's strike for that. For the rise oh, was of, it the uh, for reality TV? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, although I really get into reality TV sometimes, I just think that yeah, it was. It, it but the film quality is an indie film. It was just the quality wasn't good. The sound no. wasn't good. It's no. it, it's almost like we did the sound. Yeah, and um, I just felt like the acting was overdone. I don't think, and no disrespect, at that time, I don't think Macaulay Culkin, Culkin and Seth Green um, were very good actors that could carry this movie. Um, well, he, they certainly weren't. But I think they were playing. They, I don't think that their acting was off point. Those people were just, that's just how they were. Yeah. So what do you think here? Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, I can't imagine critics like this movie. Um, although it was in it, critics always love something that's independent. This is a, this is a wild card. Do you want me to give you a hint before you guess? Okay. The critics have not hated a movie more than this movie that we've covered. Holy shit! Then I'm going to say critics gave it a. I think thirty five. I was going to say you should probably think of what you think is low, and you should probably go lower. Shit, nineteen. Critics gave it a nineteen. They gave it a twenty nine. Ooh. God. I mean that's that that's that's not even a tomato at that point. That's accurate. That's not, that is that is spaghetti sauce. That is mushed <laughs> up ma- tomatoes mixed with tomato paste. Can you make wine and a out, of pota- ra- out of tomato? Is it like tomato wine? Is that what twenty nine? Ew! Right. That's what Ew. I mean. Ew! It's gross. Google that. Is there a tomato wine? How gross! Uh, if there is, I'm buying it. And you're drinking it next week. <laughs> You made me drink a pickle milkshake. I'm making you drink tomato hey, wine. That was good. It was okay. It was all right. Um, so what about audience? Audience, you know what? These freaks love this movie. These freaks are into this movie. Um, but uh, I'm going to say 69 because that seems accurate. Because <laughs> it probably movie. happened. <laughs> 75. Ah, close. Close. All right. So let's go to something that we both okay. we both really enjoy. <sighs> Can I'm I, sure we oh both really God. enjoy this. Now, oh I just want to say that we're gonna we're gonna pay attention to our time frame here. We're gonna give yes. this about, uh, you know, twenty minute max. Sure. Uh, to talk about um, the this. new season of Heartstopper is out. So um, we talked a little bit about this because we thought we had time last week um, because the timer was broke. But we we hinted at the first season of Heartstopper. Heartstopper is um, based on a graphic novel series that looks at the relationship between Charlie, who is this outcast in a British school, and Nick, who is a jock, very popular, um, who has not come out, and a relationship between the two of them. Um, So in the first season, um, it really deals with Charlie and Nick getting together, becoming friends, and realizing Nick realizing that he has feelings for Charlie. And at the end of the season, they're together, and Charlie and or Nick is ready to um, explore what his life is like as an uh, he comes out as bisexual, as an openly bisexual person. Yes. The second season starts off where um, Nick has not come out. 
to a whole lot of people. But the whole the whole second season, at least from Nor- Nick's story arc, is him um, deciding who and when to come out. Right. They're, so they're boyfriends in yes. season two. And really the whole storyline is them having this secret relationship and Nick wanting to make that public. Yeah. Uh, but struggling with, with yeah. coming out. Charlie wants Charlie is already out. He is very public. Um it, he was out, you find out during this season that he was outed because of a conversation his two friends were having. Somebody overheard it and told the whole school and everybody now knows Charlie's gay. Nick is not out publicly to everyone as bisexual. And this season kind of deals with how to come out, when to come out and um feeling ready to come out. Um, so, um, so yeah, so yeah, I'll let you continue as I pull up my notes. (laughs) You know, it's, there's a lot of subplots that go in here and it's a really great show. It's got all the feels. It's wonderful. But what I love the most about it is that these two characters, Charlie and Nick seem to be the most adult people ever. Yeah, And they, they're they well except for one aspect of it which i'm sure is going to be the whole plot to season three um but they communicate with each other they're concerned about each other's experience in this world and they want to Mm -hmm. make sure like for example charlie will not pressure nick to come out yeah which show and what i really liked about this season is it shows the impact because the whole season is and charlie kind of reflects this is Nick needs to come out on his own terms. And as his boyfriend, I'm going to support him in that. But um, Nick having issues coming out has has impact on Charlie and how Charlie handles conflict and uh, unresolved issues in his own life. Yeah, and I think last week I described season one as being this great love story mm-hmm. that wasn't based in trauma. And I really like that. And then the second season the second comes season out and it's all trauma. Trauma. It's everyone's trauma. Everyone. It's just trauma on top of trauma. Part of me wanted to hate this season because it just felt like trauma was getting piled on top. It's like, oh, by the way, Nick doesn't know how to come out. Oh, and by the way, Charlie has an eating disorder. Or, um, uh, um, or Darcy's mother is Darcy a raging, is kick, yeah, a homophobe, and she's kicked out of the house. Or yeah. thanks for filling in that word because I probably would have said something inappropriate. Um, Tao. It, okay. Before we get started, I had five bullet points that I wrote down of observations of this season that hopefully in our discussion of it will answer these. Here are my five five observations. Um, Why does Charlie's sister always have a drink in her hand? What is that? Is she an alcoholic? Is it alcoholic drink? She's caught every scene she's in. She's got a cup. She's got the straw. She's fiddling with the straw. I don't get it. Wait, wait. Yes. I have. I also have five bullet points and one of them is about her. Okay. And so I need to tell you to leave her alone. <laughs> I'm not not she, knocking her. The I'm actress's just curious. name is Jenny Walser, and she plays Tori Spring, which is Charlie's sister, mm-hmm. and she might be my favorite person in the show. Okay, but I need to know why she's so thirsty all the time. She's just she's a she's a uh, she's a sidler. Like she's yeah. she's a person that's the wallflower that absorbs everything that's yes. going on and protects her brother no matter what. I will say and absolutely Love when it. Th- when it gets to the point where she confronts Nick's brother, I was like kick that motherfucker down the stairs. You 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 are amazing. Kick him down when the fucking stairs. When she grabs his leg God. And says, "I love her." In that don't scene, you. Yes. Like, good for you. But She's good. 
I don't understand the concept of the drink. Also, I don't I don't I didn't notice this addressed in the season two, but in the graphic novels that this is based on, um, within the second novel or graphic novel, you find out that she is asexual. Uh, and there's a, a whole storyline with uh, one of their friends, Isaac, who's discovering why he's not attracted to anyone. And he discovers he's asexual. But in the no in the graphic novel, she's asexual also. And they have an, a hit, her and Isaac have an uh, altercation or an, uh, a conversation about that. So I think that's going to come probably in the third probably. season. Um, the other one, point two and three, I will say, um, Tao needs to chill the fuck out. Also... Mr. Farouk needs to chill the fuck out. Those two, I, I get where you're coming from, but you need to chill the fuck out. I'm watching this show. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and this is my bullet point about Tao. Found myself rooting for him. Oh, absolutely. And, I still want I, him to succeed, but I need him to chill. As, I, as I'm watching this and I'm rooting for him, I'm thinking in my head, Jeremy hates this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I just need him to calm You know what they did down. a better job with him this season? Of 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 giving him a backstory, yeah. And yeah. so at first you're just like, oh, you're just this whiny guy that doesn't want your friends to grow. It's what yeah. happens. But now it's you know like what? he's I the get Joey Tribbiani of this yeah. show. Didn't I say that when we talked about it last? You might week? have. You might uh, have. But the um, I just you get that he's just awkward, and I loved every time he danced. I just like I've, he Such? would dance, and I'm like, okay. I'm, I, I want. Here's him to win. the thing with the dancing. Um, is a lot of what I watch, particularly whether it's same sex or, or opposite sex relationships, is somebody is always goofy and stupid. And from the uh, the the van vantage point of the other person, I think, what an idiot. But it's kind of that loving kind of, oh my God, you're so stupid, but it's adorable kind of stupid. That's what his dancing is. It's stupid, but it is adorably stupid. Yeah. I am glad he cut his hair too. Oh my god, he looks so much better with yeah. his haircut. I know that Elle's like, you should do what you want to do. No, the hair looks so much better cut. And they also have a mature connection. They do. You know, where it's um, like where, Elle, he, where uh, he said, I know you need to go and do this. And she, he had, I think of all the characters of this season, he had the most growth. Yeah. By the end of the second season, and I was I loved like, his mom. Oh my god, his mom is so amazing. Yeah. All the moms. Um, Nick's mom, who's played by Olivia Coleman. I wanna I want a little coffee group with all the moms of that little gay group, and I just want to hang yeah. out with them. So I just want to point out, because uh, I don't know if we did this before, there's a lot that happens before the show started. Yes. So they were all friends. Or like Charlie, yeah. Tao, Charlie, and Elle. Charlie, Tao, Elle, and Isaac. We're all friends yes. before the show started. It starts where Elle has transitioned. Yes. So they She's were all friends. And she moves to the all-female school. Right. And so they were all friends before L transitioned and they all were friends during the transition. So this is so this is a, a new I mean, I don't think they really kind of touch on that nuance when Tao says he's attracted to L. Yeah. But and so L or Tao's mother knows about this yeah. and is so and is trying to I love push them that together. they don't drive like yeah. it's they don't make her being transgender the focal point. It's right. like Tao realized that he loves L. That's yeah. all that's needed. And it, they don't need to go in the backstory of like, oh, does Tao know and that she's And they'll probably destroy that sentiment in the next season. I hope not. <laughs> and I will say that the, what they've done with season one and two um, gives me a lot of hope for season three because they do uh, – they're very sensitive about those subjects. And it feels like they um, 
they cover everybody in here. Um, you know, obviously Charlie's gay, but Nick's like, no, I'm bisexual. And right. that's okay. And that's I'm with Charlie, but that doesn't make me a whore or the fact that I'm going to leave Charlie for a woman. Um, they touch on bisexual. They touch on uh, transgender. And they touch on asexual. Now, by the end of the second season, everyone seems to be, at least all of the characters involved, seem to be letters yeah. in the, uh, what they call the, the they, queer alphabet. They check all the boxes. Yes. And it reminded me, as I'm watching this, and every time somebody comes out, I'm reminded of Joan Cusack from In-N-Out when she's in the wedding dress and she's like, is everyone gay? Okay. Yes. And I felt that way in this show. That's my first bullet point. Oh. <laughs> is everyone on this show queer? Yeah. Because the so, – so Charlie and Nick are making oh, – by the way, this is like the season of The Kiss. All they did was kiss. Yeah. It was a lot of kissing. So much An kissing. insane amount of kissing. It's so like, we get it. You yeah. two like each other. You're kissing. But you know what? That's probably what kids are like. Right? Probably. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure that my, I mean, boy, I my first boyfriend and But I, also, I wasn't out in high school. My The first per, real boyfriend I ever had, that's all we did. Um, so they get caught kissing by their by their. Uh, I laugh I at say that that's only because we, we kiss. I didn't come out till I was twenty three. So the first time that I was with a guy, we did a lot more than kissing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in college, but oh, I was yeah. a prude. I believed that you know you didn't you shouldn't have sex with somebody until you're going to marry them. I that assume that anyone who wanted to sleep with you meant they loved you. So I just went yeah, with it. <laughs> I agree. I, that well, we had sex. We're getting married. Okay. Um, yeah, that changed when I moved to New York. Ooh. Um. So, um. But they they get caught by the rugby teacher, and the rugby teacher's like, I'm a lesbian. And then, and then the, everyone, right? Every fucking teacher is gay. The whole every school, student every is student is somewhere on the alphabet yeah. of the the queer alphabet. So that's but it's good. It's, it's a, good. It's a feel good thing, yes. and I really liked it. It's it's great. I, I get mean, the point yeah. in making sure, and I love that they represent trans people, and I love they represent asexual people. Do you love um, Nick's mom, Olivia Coleman? I am obsessed with Nick's mom. And, and it's not just because it's Nick's mom, but Olivia Coleman uh, won the Oscar a couple of years ago um, for The Favorite. She beat out Glenn Close and Lady Gaga. And I remember when that happened, I was heartbroken for both of them because I felt they both deserved it. And then since then, everything I've seen Olivia Coleman, she was in Fleabag, she was in... Um, uh, several other she's been in several movies where she's gotten uh, a lot of acclaim yeah. for she's an amazing actress yeah she's great and in this movie I'm, I love my mother so I don't want to put it out there like I don't love my mother but as I'm watching this I was like I fucking want her to be my mother but I also want my mother to be my mother right. so I want my mother to be a moms. lesbian and I want Olivia Coleman to be her wife <laughs> and I love her so much yeah she I think she's just great the most everybody in the show is, yeah. is is wonderful. Um the Darcy's mom though, horrible horrible person. And how is someone with and I'm sorry to to feed into stereotypes, but how is someone with a lesbian haircut like that going to say, "Oh my god, my wife, my daughter can't be a lesbian." You look like a lesbian, ma'am. Yeah. You look like a lesbian. <laughs> Either She's accept your daughter or grow your hair out cuz you look like a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I really liked it. You know, I think there's one thing that we haven't touched on, and I read an article about this, and I totally disagree with the article. They say in this article, so I, I, apparently in his graphic novels, Ben's character, so Ben is in season one, and he is 
the the person that is seeing Charlie secretly. Yes. That 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 yells at Charlie for talking to him in public. He's closeted and that secretly they kiss in the band room or whatever, but publicly he's like, Don't talk to me. I'm dealing with my shit. Um I just want to see you uh, privately. Yeah, and they said that 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 character shouldn't have been in season two, that they didn't have anything to add to it. And- I disagree. There's this at the very end of the season where um, he goes to apologize to Charlie, and Nick and Charlie are there, and he's like, you know, I just want to apologize, and Charlie's like, no, I don't, I don't have to accept your apology, which I thought was great. Just a really good match to say, you know what? You can feel bad about the shitty things you've done, but that doesn't mean you're owed acceptance in that. And when he's standing there and they walk away and the little animations they do and the little rainbow road walks up, like comes right to the edge of his feet. And he has that option of stepping onto this little rainbow walk and accepting who he is and working on himself. But he turns away and turns around and walks away. I thought it was just such a powerful image. It was. Uh, my favorite thing I think I've heard in season two was when Charlie said, uh, I hope that you find happiness and forgiveness for yourself. I just don't want to be there to see it. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant because I don't think that we, sh- we should wish ill on each other, but it's okay to say, yeah. I hope your life turns out great. Just keep it away from me. Yeah. Because, I don't, because what you did to me... Made, and that's what was so great about it. this is why it was so important that this character was there and and also because the character is trying to grow to some extent yeah has his own backstory and 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 has reasons for the way that he is and i'm not condoning the the way he is but you hope that from this conversation he learns and becomes a better person yeah on a different show away from all of our eyes yeah he um he he's um he's an openly queer actor um and he's falls into this category that um for those who watch Game of Thrones, uh, that Joffrey falls into. He's so good in this role yeah. that I have to step away and think, okay, this is an actor. Do not hate this kid as much <laughs> as you do. Because he irates me in the show where he expects, you know, he's like, oh, I've changed, Charlie. So you should dump your boyfriend who you care about and love, and you should come back to me because I need you in my life right now. And it's not always about what you need. It's about the... Uh, what everybody else just making sure that everybody yeah. gets. I mean, what it's they that need. whole thing. You can't love somebody else until you love yourself. Yeah. So get your shit together. Uh, but he's a great actor. He's got a movie coming up this um, this fall season, um, which there's an actor strike, so I'm not sure he can talk about. So maybe we'll talk about it. Just <laughs> I don't know what we're allowed and to give talk up about. our SAG cards. I'm gonna look into this, but I'm not sure what we're allowed to talk about, not talk about. Anyway, we'll we'll find out the details, but. Um, he has a movie coming up that I really want to check out because he's an ama- he's amazing in this role. Um, and I have so much respect for people who play villainous roles like this because you're putting yourself out there and the better you do at that role, the more you're you're likely to alienate people in your life yeah. or fans in your life. Yeah, he needs to do he needs to be like the sweet guy in a gay relationship yeah. in the next thing. Yeah, we gotta get him a role where he's the next Charlie or the next Nick, because um He's a fan, fantastic actor. He does amazing in this role. But, um, yeah, sometimes when you get in that villainous role, people that's all people see you as. The other thing I want to point out about this show is I, I think it makes sense that in the very first episode, uh, or the very first season, it was all love and, and yeah. prettiness. And then it's – but that's how relationships start. 
Yeah. And then you start to get into them and then you start letting your baggage out, you let your trauma out. So I'm, I'm concerned about what's going to happen in season three, because clearly whatever happened to Charlie um, was so traumatic mm-hmm. that it has put him into this. Yeah, they disorder. mentioned this, this bullying, the yeah. bullying that happened when he was accidentally outed um, and it forced him to have an eating disorder and it kind of went away. And then dealing with Nick coming out and the, whether he wants to come out, how much he wants to come out. Or even that it's that the focus of coming out is going to put attention on him. Yeah. And it's going to remind him of that, re-traumatize him. And so I think I'm sure that the show is going to touch on it, but it's going to probably end up great because it's a great show. And somehow Nick is going to understand all of this and help him. Now, what something that alarmed me, particularly towards we when we get to the end of the season, um, Charlie's coming across little Glenn Close from fan, uh, Fatal Attraction to me. He's like, you know, uh, whatever Nick needs, whatever Nick wants. I love Nick so much. And I'm like, dude, you need to step back because you're, you're, you're about two episodes away from boiling a bunny <laughs> to prove your love to Nick. I and that. I need you to calm down a little bit. I think they just, they, they do that to each other. They, they're like, they're like, you know, I need to make your experience great. Yes, but also that codependent relationship. We gotta, we gotta let the kids know that that's not healthy. So, what do you think? So, we talked about last week. We said Heartstopper season one was one hundred yeah. critics, ninety six yeah. viewers. What do you think season two is? You know what? I'm a, I'm an optimist. I love love. I personally am not in a relationship. However, I watch shit like this, and next week we're gonna watch some. We're gonna talk about something that um, is based on a book that I absolutely love that falls into this same category. Um, I'm going to say 100% audience, and I'm going to say 98% critics, just because some critics are fucking nasty. It was 98 both? Really? Yeah. All right. All right. So like you just said, you alluded to, we're getting ready to wrap up, so I just want to say that next week, tune in, because we're going to talk about... Red, oh white, God. and royal blue. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is one of those books when during the, the, the COVID uh, pandemic where I said, uh, you know, I just – maybe it was all the shit that was going on and I thought the world was going to end and I was going to die. Uh, but I really uh, embraced these romantic comedy, LGBT-focused romantic comedies. And Red, White, and Royal Blue was one that I read and I loved. And I've read it three or four times now. And Amazon has a movie coming out next week. Well, at the end of this week, and we're going to talk about yeah, next week, sure. and I can't fucking wait. I am so excited. This movie. I hope that I hate it as much as no, you hated. No, um, this um, movie is going to become my personality. I, they, I just want you to know. That. I'm going to fight your favorite character, and I'm be like, they suck. I hope um, you love this movie because I know I'm going to love it. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Brandon Wolf. Yes, we're going uh, to an event tonight. Uh, Brandon Wolf is having the Orlando premiere of his memoir, A Place for Us. Yeah, so we'll talk about both those things next week. Yes, Uh, and until then, the cork is back in the bottle.